السلام علیکم جی السلام ویلکم ٹو دی پی آئی ڈی ویبینار ا وی ار ابوٹ ٹو بیگن جی مائی نیم از نظیم الحق وی ار گوئنگ ٹو ٹاک اباؤٹ ا کیٹلائزنگ کیپٹل فار فاسٹ گروتھ ایس ایم ایز ہاؤ ڈو وی اچیو سگنیفیکنٹ اسکیل اینڈ ریچ ا سپیکر از عمر جاوید غنی اسپیشلسٹ وتھ ایچ ای سی a well well known individual in a creative young man who's done many creative things in Pakistan um Omar Ghani has done this research with HCC so uh, we would love to hear what he's done so with that over to you Omar please start sir thank you first of all giving me an opportunity it's an honor to be part of this uh, uh, platform and uh, to be able to share my thoughts with uh, with your audience and your network Uh, just a point of uh, clarification uh, the research that i i'm doing with hcc is a complete uh, mapping report on the knowledge innovation ecosystem uh, that will be published hopefully by world bank next week next week uh, we have already started disseminating that report uh, but today's session uh, really is not uh, uh, that part of research but this is uh, certainly something that links with that research so hcc is really gone i must yeah. ask the question I find this quite amazing that HEC is an apex body for the creation of knowledge in Pakistan. HEC is supposed to be regulating all our universities. And yet the research that you've done for the HEC is going to be published by the World Bank. I have never heard of a study done by Harvard or Oxford or whatever being published by the World Bank. Um, is this part of a neo-colonial mentality? Sorry, uh, sorry about that. Uh, no, it's a very important and uh, very important question. Uh, why are the donors coming in and funding these studies? And what, are, what is happening with our lo- local policy makers and uh, stakeholders? Why are they not funding these kinds of studies? Uh, it happens so that this is a World Bank funded initiative and uh, uh all the outputs that we are generating from this program uh we are using the world bank's global network to disseminate that information uh you know so when i said world bank is going to publish it doesn't mean that we can't publish it it's hcc's property it's hcc's uh, uh report and hcc has already started disseminating to all its universities uh but ultimately we'd also want this research to go out to all other policy uh, stakeholders of this knowledge innovation ecosystem and we'll be certainly using hcc platform for that i'm just a consultant advising hcc uh, in establishing some of these funds through which we are giving out these grants uh, doing some capacity building activities for our incubators and rx uh, and also doing some research uh, like this research that i carried out so hope that answers your question ji so uh, uh, the study that i had done for hcc essentially uh, i went around around 100 universities and collected a lot of information from universities on what kind of commercializable research uh, activities uh, were taking place what kind of technologies what kind of startups uh, what was the impact over the last 10 10 years of all of this research uh, technology creation startups and i captured all of that uh, in this report a uh, lot of primary data was collected Uh, today's session is actually uh, on catalyzing capital for fast growth SMEs in Pakistan. 
in which grants uh, can only play a certain role subsidies can only play a certain role and most of my focus in today's conversation is where do we get the commercial sources of capital what is required what are the systematic barriers what are the barriers at the transactional and operational level that need to be addressed to catalyze that capital and reach the scale uh, that is required to meet the demand for capital by the smes in pakistan so just wanted to clarify that this is not uh, this research is not part of the research done in hsc uh, uh, i have uh, been leading about i've led about almost uh, over two dozen national level assignments covering almost key uh, almost all key economic sectors from agriculture to housing to renewable energy and uh, sme has been one of my keen focus for the last decade in which i also help establish a dfi for state bank called the pakistan sme credit entity company and part part of the feasibility study and the business planning that i was doing for that sme uh, credit guarantee company i collected a lot of data and uh, anyway so this research has been going on in the sme space for a while and uh, i'm pretty close to finalizing this research paper also that uh, i would love to get your feedback on as we move along uh, the contents of the presentation today uh, we will look at four driving questions uh, which we essentially need to answer to be able to solve this problem of catalyzing commercial capital uh, or concessional capital perhaps uh, for smes in pakistan we need to first look at the current capital deployed in pakistan and then evaluate some promising approaches and also then identify uh, potential new capital sources uh, and instruments innovative instruments that can ultimately unlock this capital and meet the demand supply gap in sme segment uh, finally i summarize this presentation with some calls to action what exactly we need to do what are the action steps that we need to take right uh, my research work over the last decade has centered on how to spur significant scaling up of investment in small medium enterprises in pakistan over the coming 3 to 5 years the focus of this research uh, was on approaches and initiatives uh, the best that best serve the need for the real economy smes in pakistan the research and call to action are grounded in four driving questions the current capital deployed what is the amount of capital supporting smes in pakistan promising approaches which are most promising approaches to increasing capital uh, who which institutions would provide a step change in finance and what is required to see the asset owners invest more capital and uh, as we move along uh, we'll try to build the business case centered around these four driving questions uh, i'm not going to uh, spend a lot of time in uh, building a business case for smes almost everyone uh, i think unanimously agrees that sme is a very key segment of our economy and we we must not ignore it anymore and we must do something proactively to support and accelerate this sector uh you know uh, the company that i was heading for the last almost a decade uh, we are behind the creation of majority of the microfinance institutions uh, having led the uh, widening harmonized access to microfinance project that gave birth to a lot of microfinance institutions parks and microfinance network and a whole host of other activities uh we were also the shareholders in kashif privatized koshali bank uh you know uh, uh nrsp dr shoaib sultan saab shoaib sultan saab when he was thinking of doing something our organization was hired to develop a strategic blueprint bring in our investors establish an rsp we transformed the division of our khand rules support program into fmfp finca we brought into pakistan i was uh, then i advised them in their digital transformation easy paisa we raised about 6 million dollars omni was my project i implemented end to end for bill melinda gates foundation so we we were able to establish a microfinance industry commercial banks were already operative they were looking at the top end of the uh, real economy spectrum but the missing middle sme remained ignored 
And I believe we need to take lessons of how we were able to create a sustainable microfinance industry and try to replicate some of that in creating a sustainable SME finance industry as well, which remains by and large missing. Generally, there's an underappreciation and lack of interest in financing the moderate growth SMEs in emerging markets and uh, the situation in Pakistan also is very similar. So when we look at the whole uh, life cycle journey of an enterprise, uh, which starts essentially from a blueprint, which is an idea concept or a business plan, without a tested product or service, without tested uh, or revenue. Uh, ultimately, you want to take that idea and concept, validate that idea and concept, create a product, do a proof of concept. Ultimately, uh, once you've done a proof of concept, uh, establish the company and then prepare it for scale. These are different stages of growth uh, in the life cycle of a company of any enterprise, whether it's fast growth or moderate growth or uh, low growth enterprise, but they all go through these stages. And at each node in the life cycle journey of a startup, there's a need for a certain type of funding. At the earlier stage, perhaps attracting commercial capital is very difficult. Uh, so the need for subsidy and grant funds, but in a way uh, that we don't distort the markets and we create some multiplier effect. Uh, for every uh, penny of uh, grant money that is being spent, if we can mobilize uh, uh, commercial capital, uh, maybe in a ratio of one to two, one to three, in the Parks and SME Credit Guarantee Company, the regulatory framework that I gave to State Bank, uh, the, uh, the, the ceiling uh, for the multiplier was set at 10. So every penny of subsidy that the government puts into the Parks and SME Credit Guarantee Company and that SME Credit Guarantee Company can then go out and issue non-cash guarantees to banks or NBFIs or private equity funds, uh, it can essentially mobilize up to $10 for every $1 of non-cash guarantee. That means it can generate a multiplier of almost 10. So government, rather than sending, spending money in subsidies under Kamyab Jawan or uh, just spending grants you know, on a one-to-one -one ratio, can use this vehicle, can use this policy instrument to gener generate a multiplier effect without distorting the markets and then creating the market infrastructure that is required to sustainably carry out that mission forward. کمپنی And till date, it's been four years, this company has not been operationalized. Even though there's uh, $60 plus million dollars worth of capital from DFID sitting in state bank account that just needs to be transferred to this company. $40 million have been committed by other donors. With $100 million, this company can be going out and mobilizing almost close to $1 billion worth of capital for the SME segment and startups in Pakistan. But yet, uh, political issues are holding operationalizing this company. And uh, the CEO of this company has now left this company after waiting for three years for this operationalization and gone to Saudi SME Credit Guarantee Company to lead it. Um, it was also uh, part of the PTI's 100-day uh, agenda. And uh, unfortunate that uh, while having this strong policy instrument out there in the market, we're not using it for our purpose. I've also defined our target SME uh, segment, uh, which is my interest at the moment, uh, fast growth SMEs, because uh, the space of SME is huge and uh, uh, we need to start somewhere where, where uh, we have the highest chance of uh, uh, delivering impact and success and maximum impact, in fact, uh, and that's why I'm uh, focusing on those fast growth SMEs. 
And uh, recently in a survey, I've collected a lot of data and understanding what kind of financial needs they have and what kind of investment sizes they need and what kind of uh, terms uh, are they willing to offer to investors. And I'll be sharing all of that uh, uh, data in the form of a report uh, once it's finalized, hopefully in the next coming days. Uh, this presentation is also essentially uh, almost uh, derived from that research, but that since research is not complete, I can't share the research data uh, in this presentation as yet. Um, this is the complete capital chain of uh, 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 value chain for capital that I was talking about from blueprint, validate, prepare to scale. Uh, you know, this, uh, this study was done by the Monitor Group and this is a widely accepted uh, uh, value chain used by almost most uh, emerging economies that are trying to mobilize domestic capital for impact and innovation. There are various instruments, commercial uh, uh, capital instruments available uh, in, in our and other economies. Uh, debt, equity, mezzanine, grant, uh, guarantees, and then lots of hybrid instruments which have features uh, resembling each one of these instruments are also now in vogue in uh, different parts of the world where startups have been able to use these innovative instruments to connect with investors uh, much faster than the plain vanilla equity and debt instruments. For example, convertible debt or saved note. Uh, lots of startups in the early stage don't have the valuation to go out and raise the kind of capital they need in, in the form of equity because that ends up diluting them. But they can use safe notes and convertible notes without diluting themselves, without having a valuation event early stage in their life cycle journey when the valuation is not justifying it. And later on, once they reach uh, a certain valuation uh, or there's a valuation event, uh, they can give those uh, financial sponsors who are giving them capital through convertible notes. Uh, at, the, at the valuation event, whatever valuation you do, you can give them a discount upfront in the convertible notes. So lots of these instruments have been used very, very effectively by startups all over the world. But in our country, also startups have been using these instruments, but mostly with foreign investors. And historically, foreign investors were um, kind of penalized by state bank, and there were lots of restrictions on them. Recently, state bank have come up with some policy reforms inviting uh, and uh, allowing foreign investors to transact with uh, local startups using these notes. Uh, you know, so, but point is that there are many other innovations that need to happen. SACP has also recently finalized their startup policy and they've started a sandbox initiative and they've allowed some innovative uh, 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 activities to happen and crowdfunding has been one of them. Uh, but, you know, SACP and other regulators generally are very, very uh, restrictive in terms of uh, in initially allowing the markets to develop and then coming to regulate them. Uh, they choose the other uh, course, which is they start regulating it before the markets even develop. And for example, in the sandbox period, we were asked to basically ask the issuers who are trying to raise money through investors to the crowdfunding platform uh, to basically underwrite that risk, to basically guarantee a minimum return to investors. Uh, how can startups do that? Startups typically don't have collaterals. And if they were asked to guarantee, uh, provide guarantee on principal and minimum return to investors who are coming to the crowdfunding platform, that defeats the whole purpose. So. Anyway, these are this is the entire spectrum of universe of all the different innovations across the life cycle. We need to bring in uh, different sources of capital at, at different nodes. So at the earlier stage, I mean, generally because there's lack of equity in mezzanine in Pakistan, uh, what we see is that uh, you know, there are some DFIs and grants and donor money uh, supporting startups at the early stage. But as soon as that grant cycle completes, we then uh, try to push the banks to come and start financing, uh, giving them credit. Uh, credit is the last instrument. I mean, generally, most of these startups are not ready to take on credit and banks uh, generally are not there to punt on startups and take uh, investing risky asset classes. So 
you need to bring in some risk capital and perhaps uh, get the governance structures improved and uh, establish the teams and build some track record before you can approach banks to avail credit. And banks will use their own underwriting criteria to evaluate what what are the non uh, re, uh, what what are the uh, uh, repayment capacities on loan portfolio on 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 debt for those startups before they can assign a credit limit and give that uh, give that uh, funding. Uh, so just passing a, a creating a program, political program, Kamyab Jawan, and then asking state bank to start dispersing does not work. Previously, also we've seen many such programs being announced, but they're not able to mobilize capital because banks typically use their own underwriting criteria. And if they see a commercial opportunity to finance a business, they will. If they don't, they won't. Only a few very small segment, which is basically on the spectrum where. Banks are not able to take a decision where some collateral deficiency, uh, a credit guarantee, or or some kind of a subsidy will uh, make them till their bed. Um, in the current capital deployed, when I started digging out data, I realized that there, in some, there is a capital deployment of, uh, to SMEs in Pakistan in terms of debt, equity, mezzanine, and grant capital, but the data is very scarce. And anecdotally, anecdotally, uh, people say that there are not many players targeting this group specifically. And uh, more, by and large, all the key informant interviews and focus groups that we've had, everyone's kind of complaining that th there are not very many players who support SMEs in Pakistan, which is why we call them uh, missing middle. Supply side data gaps, uh, as far as the amounts of AUM of debt, amounts of AUM of equity and mezzanine, the amount of grant capital deployed annually from foundations, development finance institutions, SME funds, uh, banks, non-banking financial institutions, and also uh, the supply side data gaps as far as the return that investors have realized on capital deployed, uh, both in hard currency and local currency across different asset classes and their opportunity cost of coming into this asset class, which is the fast for SMEs or startups uh, is lacking. And uh, my primary motivation to start this research was to uh, collect and organize all of this data so that we can take informed decisions. Similarly, we have did, uh, uh, gaps on the demand side, the amount of debt, uh, the target markets of SMEs required to grow and not what terms. The amount of equity in mezzanine financing they require on what terms. The amount of grant capital they require, both in terms of direct grants, technical assistance, the realistic returns, the capacity building needs, all of this information uh, while exists, but all, you know it's fragmented in pockets and there's not one single uh, document or uh, data repository which, which uh, collects this data uh, and disseminates that data to all key stakeholders who, who are working on, a, on, on this mission too unlock capital for SMEs in Pakistan. Uh, we have some numbers taken from a recent Karanda's uh, study on the NPLs, on the SME finance, uh, which has gone down drastically to now, it stands at about 6.6% of the total private sector credit book in the country. The SME borrowers are about 178,000, uh, which is uh, quite uh, astonishing. Uh, given the size of the SME segment in Pakistan, the outstanding SME portfolio is about 443.8 billion, uh, which has also gone down. So what do we need to do to increase this capital? I have evaluated a whole uh, number of different uh, models from accelerator link fund, funds to, uh, which is multi-channel to asset back uh, financing uh, to, you know, uh, you know, uh, essentially uh, uh, creating a blueprint for, for a model SME unit or an SME bank uh, within a larger commercial bank, uh, you can establish an SME unit. They're SME units, but the way they're going about doing business is, you know, uh, perhaps not the way a typical SME unit should be behaving. 
uh, we we need to do a whole lot of things uh, from inclusion of uh, you know technology to exploring alternate delivery channels to just reinventing the whole business case for SMEs because in SMEs you go out and give small tickets as opposed to the larger corporates where you you can uh, do so uh, you can uh, disperse a large amount of credit uh, with one client. Here you have to identify many smaller clients to be able to disperse that. So the business models have to be reinvented. And currently the business models are not optimal and optimized and efficient, uh, which is creating a lot of inefficiency. Uh, similarly, I've explored crowdfunding. I was actually part of the sandbox, which was testing the crowdfunding uh, pilot uh, for uh, SCCP. Uh, and I have some reservations with the current mindset of the regulator and also the readiness of the industry. So this perhaps, channel uh, is very useful and needs to be developed, but Pakistan is developing crowdfunding uh, uh, very late. Uh, majority of the countries in this region around the world started this initiative many years back and now have vibrant crowdfunding uh, markets, uh, players, uh, uh, startups raising significant amounts of capital from crowdfunding platforms. And it will also take some time for us before we're able to develop these markets. But having uh, a reliance that, that SCCP has launched a kind of, uh, sandbox and there's a crowdfunding opportunity that we'll be able to solve our, all our problems, we may not. Uh, flexible debt instruments are critical. Banks need to now innovate on financial instruments. Uh, the plain vanilla instruments with rigid, uh, uh, where the structuring is not done, keeping in mind the cash flow cyclicality of uh, SMEs that you are supporting. Uh, the backend infrastructure of banks uh, does not cater to this uh, cyclicality. Uh, creating variable payment obligations or flexible debt instruments uh, where the SMEs or the borrowers pay when they have cash and uh, when they don't, uh, they, they are given the uh, leeway not to pay cash. And you know, similarly, your risk uh, frameworks and IT uh, uh, backend infrastructure at banks is developed to support these kinds of instruments. Currently, our banks do not have the capacity to uh, roll out these kinds of instruments, which is very, very critical for supporting SME finance. Most of the capital in my study, what I've observed is that uh, we need to be able to uh, uh, reinvent the way our existing incumbent players who are dealing with SMEs are dealing with SMEs. We need to help them reinvent their ways So, because most of the initial capital will come from those. And while we need to continue identifying new sources of capital and new instruments, new innovative techniques, uh, we first also need to uh, ensure that the existing players who are dealing with SMEs are able to do it much better and efficiently. Uh, similarly, uh, investment funds, uh, royalty finance instruments, convertible loans, mezzanine, as I talked about previously, are very, very critical for unlocking capital for SMEs. Uh, uh, you know, we don't know, and there aren't very many players who are actually uh, uh, coming up with these kinds of innovation in the market and offering them uh, on, a, on a large scale basis. Um, we also uh, need to establish our venture capital industry and private equity industry. And some of the uh, players who have uh, started recently have been able to do uh, a very small number of transactions. And uh, we also saw press for some of uh, the startups and parks and raising capital from the global community. But unless we're able to mobilize our domestic capital for impact and innovation, uh, you know, we'll continue to uh, face lots of issues uh, because reliance on foreign capital, while good, it, brings in foreign capital into the, into the country. Uh, we also need to look at uh, whether it's coming in the form of equity or debt and uh, you know uh, what kind of issues it, it creates as far as FX is concerned and uh, FX rate is concerned and also uh, the IP uh, which continues to flow out of the country if foreign investors are putting money. Most of the time they require startups domicile outside. 
you know, we need to keep a fairly liberal kind of policy in attracting foreign capital uh, and let that capital come in. I'm not saying that that capital is not important. It's very, very important. But at the same time, we also need to make sure that we balance by, by ensuring that we're able to mobilize our domestic capital. Our domestic investors are very happy and comfy putting money in unproductive assets. When you talk about real estate, you know, they're very happy putting money in real estate and earn rent. Everyone's a rent seeker. They, they like rent because it's stable, it's consistent. Uh, they're able to sell their assets when they want. There, there's liquidity in the secondary market. Uh, so they can plan their exits, they can plan their income streams, and they can plan their life around those income streams. When it comes to uh, investing in fast growth SMEs, first of all, it's very illiquid, right? You get stuck, you don't know when to exit, where to exit. Um, and then there are other challenges, you know, SMEs. Uh, there's no organized platform which is creating a pipeline of investable SMEs, which has which have been due diligence on behalf of investors who may or may not have the expertise to do carry out that due diligence themselves. So, so those things have to be uh, uh, organized. And in case of SMEs, then we also need to recalibrate return expectation. We can't invest in SMEs uh, only purely on the risk return uh, uh, framework. We also need to look at the liquidity. Risk return, liquidity, and impact framework is the complete framework uh, for evaluating. And we need to make the investors uh, domestically aware of that framework and how they're able to uh, you know, cope with the challenges vis-a-vis uh, uh, liquidity and risk uh, related to this new asset class. There are other uh, uh, channels and other approaches I've evaluated perhaps, but the most promising approaches, the five top approaches, we'll perhaps keep the focus of our discussion on those today. Um, I've also ranked the scalability and viability of the 10 solutions by the following criteria, uh, by the demonstrations of viability, as well as the research criteria, which ability to, whether they have the ability to serve the SMEs, whether they possess central uh, features, whether the model possesses nimbleness, improvement of risk management and operational efficiencies as a modified approach to collateral and for digital front or backend components. Uh, you know, uh, so these are some things that I've evaluated in each one of the approaches. And uh, viability, uh, we have uh, looked at uh, at three levels, whether strategic, operational, or financial level. So some of these schemes, according to this matrix, have been evaluated and then ranked accordingly in the next sections. Um, those that were not selected, I'm going to skip on that. Those that were selected uh, include commercial bank with an SME unit, investment fund providing mezzanine, or perhaps other innovative instruments that we talked about, asset-backed financing, to be encouraged more, flexible debt instruments, variable payment obligations, and tailored private, private equity and venture capital funds are critical for unlocking capital for SMEs in Pakistan. Now, when I look at the entire spectrum of SMEs and our sweet spot and the entire universe of potential capital sources across uh, different uh, uh, points in the life cycle journey of an SME, uh, it will be important to first class classify the, uh, the potential SMEs that we are, we are going for. And I've labeled them as gazelle, zebra, and chicken. So the gazelle category is the high growth intent, uh, innovative business model, ambitious founder, often uh, technology uh, focused, asset light, uh, uh, line of, uh, uh, line of uh, sight to an exit, uh, very uh, close. Uh, zebra uh, category, on the other hand, is the moderate growth, often in bread and butter industries, strong founder, but often not seeking exit. And finally, chicken, lifestyle businesses and limited scale uh, potential. 
these are some instruments, uh, term sheets that I've developed for each one of those uh, five promising approaches that perhaps we can uh, uh, discuss during the Q&A session in the end. Uh, promising approach one, commercial bank with an SME unit impact if approached is scaled. You know, SMEs will become part of the mainstream financial sector, building a track record with commercial financial institutions, opening up other opportunities in financing, bring broader financial intermediation benefits to local e economies like Pakistan, offer better access to payment systems, benefiting SMEs, the banks, and the broader economy. Uh, probability of for service provision over the full life cycle of business through SMEs becoming large businesses improving. So these are some impacts that we expect if approach is scaled. Challenges that must be overcome. There still needs to be a stronger demonstration of business case for the commercial banks. Most commercial banks are uh, current, currently not too convinced. Some have ventured in SME and burned their hands. Uh, and those uh, memories are still quite vivid uh, in the minds of other uh, managers who are running the SME units and other banks. Um, these banks are also very comfortable investing in government securities where they get risk-free returns offered by government instruments. Uh, and when you look at the risk return trade-off of going into SMEs, which pose significantly higher level of risk, but returns currently, which are not uh, perhaps in line with the kind of risk uh, returns that government is offering them, uh, often uh, these uh, uh, commercial uh, banks uh, are crowded out and they're not able to back SME. So the government also needs to make a policy you know, uh, decision whether you know, the insatiable appetite to finance their mega projects or uh, you know, letting the markets support SME sector, which is vital to strengthening our economy. Uh, infrastructure is very important. Uh, mega projects, I'm not saying are not important, but there needs to be a clear balance because SMEs uh, are essential engine for growth. These are, this is a sector that will generate the future jobs, not the MNCs, right? And even if you uh, create a housing uh, program that will support uh, several industries indirectly, but if we can start supporting industries directly, that will be much better and more impactful. Uh, we need to improve our uh, well, you know, build capacity in the in the country to uh, uh, improve the income levels, to kickstart the well generation engines in many uh, districts and communities where the well generation engines are not functional, even though those uh, districts and communities have many endowments and resources that can be harnessed to produce well for those local communities and for the country. Uh, uh, by creating integrated value chains. And we'll perhaps talk about a few examples how we can achieve that. Uh, the investment fund, uh, if impact, uh, the impact that we can get if approach is scaled, it meets the needs of the enterprises, particularly as they grow, prepare stage. Uh, risk capital is critical before credit can open up. And if we can uh, bring in more risk capital in the country, ultimately we'll also create a, a direct impact in increasing the amount of credit that's flowing to them uh, naturally because most of those entities that previously were not eligible for credit will become eligible with uh, a more risk capital flowing in them. Uh, commercial banks could invest in and acquire these non-bank financial institutions also, uh, which are providing risk capital uh, or perhaps, you know, in lots of cases around the world, we've seen commercial banks having uh, funds, private equity arms, providing non-financial support to th those SMEs and startups. Essentially, uh, you know, they, they take an ecosystem approach as opposed to just uh, going out in the market, identifying credit opportunities. Uh, they create those opportunities by giving non-financial support, by bringing in risk capital, and then ultimately unlocking uh, their uh, credit books for supporting uh, growth and listing those companies ultimately on exchanges 
Also in those developed countries, you see exchanges at different levels operating from small exchange to uh, small caps to mid caps to large caps, uh, where there's a significant amount of liquidity for these investors to exit. In Pakistan, these exit opportunities and exchanges, uh, lack of exchanges at the medium to low end have also hampered uh, attracting our investors. Uh, we have seen SME board that was established many years back, but we haven't seen a single transaction on that board. And recently, there's been some reform and GEM board has been established, but uh, still we've yet to see a transaction on GEM board. And uh, I've also given a proposal to SME, uh, SECP to perhaps also create uh, a small cap, which serves as a jumping patch, a launch, launch pad for creating a pipeline of opportunities. And those startups, which are not currently meeting the listing criteria for GEM, can, uh, investors can perhaps create uh, active trading a trading market on small cap exchange. So some of these things perhaps can yield results, but again, these are experiments and uh, we need to uh, dig deeper and think deeper and collect more evidence and, and continue to fine tune these models as we are testing them in the market. Asset-backed financing is happening, but not at scale. Uh, we also need to encourage asset-backed financing for the startup uh, segment. Uh, we also need to create, uh, you know, uh, working capital facilities, syndicated facilities, uh, perhaps on a program-based uh, basis, we can create a number of different instruments that can be uh, unleashed to uh, startups and uh, uh, the portfolio can be insured uh, at the bottom end of the spectrum. You can create a classic securitization waterfall, senior secure debt, senior debt, and then we can have first loss or uh, we can create uh, even class C shareholding where we can bring in capital that can de-risk the commercial capital uh, uh, or perhaps offer credit guarantees somehow that can uh, improve the ratings of uh, the senior and secure debt out there. Uh, so these are some uh, innovative structuring and securitizations that we need to do to be able to uh, uh, unlock uh, more credit and asset back financing available to uh, startups. Uh, it's happening, but not at scale. And more players, current incumbent players, financial institutions who, who have the mandate to do exactly this need to be uh, pushed in this direction. Uh, impact if approaches scale, uh, we can standardize asset-backed financing as a specific product, particularly if it is, it is applied by sector, it can lend itself to volume underwriting. We can have program-based lending schemes and you know that can achieve scale very easily. And there are many successful examples of these globally. Uh, challenges that you must overcome, uh, you need, we need to choose our sectors and verticals carefully, uh, you know, where we need to go and how we need to, uh, because for each sector and for each vertical, we need to have a dedicated uh, strategy and a select set of partners who are providing a whole host of support services uh, uh, alongside uh, the services and uh, offered by the uh, financing or leasing institution. Uh, market risks are fairly uh, complicated. Uh, for the residual asset valuation. So those things, uh, one has to also do some TA technical assistantship for the financial institutions that we are encouraging to uh, roll out these uh, innovative instruments. Um, flexible debt instrument I've talked about previously also, variable payment obligation is the key innovation that I believe perhaps our financial institutions need to come up with. Uh, it's, it's a matter of structuring and a matter of uh, being able to lend on a cash flow basis as opposed to the collateral-based lending mindset that the PPR commercial bank have and once you take a cash flow uh, based lending uh, approach and you're able to build that capacity and you're able to evaluate uh, project the cash flows value the risk of, of the project of the SME and then create an instrument uh, that works with the SME so when the SME has cash they can pay and when they don't have cash you can give them uh, a breathing space 
you know, you work with a client and you help strengthen your client. And as you strengthen your client, you strengthen your own balance sheet and your own organization. A bank is only as strong as its clients. So if you give rigid payment schedules and those in, uh, SMEs or borrowers who are not able to pay back, you put them in the default category, ultimately, uh, you know, uh, once you underwrite and uh, you, you, you basically have to, uh, you know, close the book. So there's not, there's no recovery after that point. You have to book your loss and move on. But if you continue to work with your clients and borrowers, uh, ultimately, uh, what matters is that you're able to identify those who are willing to uh, be successful and willing to work with you to continue to achieve success. And as long as you are able to differentiate between the willful and the unwillful defaulters and take this approach of working, continue to work with your client to ensure that he's able to uh, become you know, strong ultimately and help you strengthen your income uh, sources and your organization. It is a win-win situation for everyone. Uh, so impact if approach is scaled, it meets the needs of the investee as there's more flexibility of how to pay back and the entrepreneurs are not forced to give up equity prematurely and entrepreneurs understand the product potential for sustainable delivery of business development services. There's liquidity mechanism built in. So it promises a return for capital for investors providing a longer term capital source for entrepreneurs. There are multiple applications per funder type, uh, could be a microfinance institution, could be uh, regulated banks, small foundation, individual, or you know, perhaps even fintechs can come in and uh, get into this space. Challenges, the solution is still early stage. So current solutions that are underway must demonstrate uh, and uh, solutions which are uh, being deployed uh, in this category. This is uh, uh, an innovation at the global front. So you will see a uh, uh, few countries which have tested this model and with, you know, almost all of them have been made successful in delivering, delivering impact. The case of Nicaragua is very, uh, you know, uh, is very strong where uh, similar, uh, in my previous organization, we were tasked by uh, one of the donors to actually develop this instrument. We developed in, this instrument and uh, our organization won the global uh, innovation award uh, as far as financial instruments for startups and SMEs was concerned. So, and I can have a, a dedicated session just on this one product and the learnings of our uh, uh, deployment of this uh, product in Nicaragua. Uh, the tailored private equity fund, and I'll talk a bit about that in detail. Uh, private equity in Pakistan, uh, even though there have been some initiatives in the past, for example, USAID supported three private equity funds under the private investment initiatives and some new venture capital funds have started. But, uh, uh, but most of them lack rigor and experience to deal with this relatively new asset class. Uh, you know, this is not just a passive fund where you invest and do portfolio management for your investors. Companies that you screen, that you filter, that you invest in have to, there, there has to be a, a lot of rigor in identifying and finding investable opportunities, but not just there, but also once you have invested in a portfolio, you need to assign portfolio managers and go into those companies, wear a consultant hat and create value in those companies, improve their systems and processes and help them accelerate, boost their networks, connect them to sources of capital, and uh, just handhold them uh, through the acceleration stage and ultimately find exit opportunities uh, so that you can realize uh, returns for investors who have uh, supported them through this acceleration phase. So all of that requires dedicated team on ground, which has experience working with young enterprises, creating enterprises, taking them to scale and exiting them. Uh, identifying founders who have the experience to combine and match make with these companies because most often they're not companies are formed, they have the right ideas, they have the right technologies, but they don't have the right leadership. 
and creating dedicated founder program where you match make the right founders who have the ability to take perhaps any company to scale, uh, but finding the right idea first and then finding the right founder, matchmaking them perhaps is a better approach. So this is something uh, I'll talk about in my annex as we, as we conclude this uh, presentation in the end. Uh, since we're running short of time, I'd like to now uh, skip through the last few promising approaches, emerging themes. Uh, it is important to note that we need a combination of approaches delivered by a variety of factors to meet needs of a target market. There is no single approach or solution that alone will achieve the stretch goal of an increased scale and reach of investment capital for SMEs in Pakistan. Additionally, a variety of capital types, debt equity, mezzanine is required to support the building blocks of the SME balance sheet. Across all of these approaches, three themes emerge to enhance the efficacy of solution, the critical need for well-structured subsidies or concessional capital for these approaches to be viable, uh, you know, uh, youth uh, entrepreneurship and Kamyab uh, Jawan or the previous prime minister youth loan scheme, uh, you know, have had dismal performance. Why? Because uh, the subsidies and the concessional uh, uh, programs have not been thought through, have not been backed by evidence of what are the needs of those uh, that you are going after and the intermediaries through which you want to disperse. What, uh, what are their motivations, right? I mean, unless you align all of these things together, uh, just creating a, a thoughtless uh, subsidy program is not going to yield a desired result. So the initial, since I was the secretary of the Kamyab Jawan, Prime Minister's Kamyab Jawan team, I initially, the blueprint I gave to the, uh, the, the PM's office, I was led by Ms., uh, Mr. Spandar, uh, they could only absorb only a small segment of the entire blueprint and then they, they went out and uh, pushed that. And despite my uh, uh, trying to convince them uh, over a year, year and a half to do this in a more exhaustive and a complete basis, uh, uh, um, now they are turning around and trying to do the kind of things I had asked them uh, to work with SME Credit Guarantee Company and other things. Uh, so let's see what the results are. But we have uh, wasted quite a lot of time. And this time could have been utilized very effectively if the right structures and uh, if these concessions and subsidy programs were designed on an evidence pack on a need pack basis. The primacy of business development services is very critical. You can't just ask banks to start lending. Uh, and launch a political uh, program and expect everyone will join the program and all banks will start opening their credit books. Uh, the, the borrowers, uh, entities who demand that capital, you need to first create that demand. You need to uh, bring in uh, rigorous incubation, acceleration, business development support services to create a pipeline uh, of companies that demand that capital. Uh, in all my studies done uh, at the state bank level in the last decade, and there are quite a lot of them, I've gone and evaluated all major banks in the country and I've realized that uh, we're not, issue is not that of capital. We're flush with local liquidity, uh, but that local liquidity is going after wrong. Uh, I mean, uh, the priorities are not very clear. Pakistan remains a classic case of misplaced priorities while we talk about youth and the bonds of youth, while we talk about agriculture and agri-back economy and the bonds of agriculture sector. When we look at the quantum of capital going into SMEs and agriculture and startups, you know, it's very disappointing. So we need to prepare, we need to prepare uh, agribusinesses, we need to make them bankable, investable, we need to prepare SMEs, we need to prepare startups, we need to make them bankable and investable. And that's why dedicated business development services need to be. Uh, uh, and then advent of technology as a potential catapult to scale is critical. Without technology solving almost every need out there in the market. And there's a lot of technology available out there in the market, but organized thinking of how to bring all of these things together into organized programs. 
I recently uh, designed a program, Prime Minister's Billion Tree Honey, in which I've tried to bring all of these little aspects in creating a viable model for accelerating uh, uh, you know, uh, beekeepers, SMEs involved in this apiculture space, uh, banks which want to lend to agriculture sector in, in a sustainable manner, and other stakeholders, investors who want to come uh, invest in various initiatives and opportunities that will be emerging as we scale up this sector. For example, putting up processing units, uh, which you know, uh, which kind of get uh, uh, honey and honey byproducts export ready and then export into the international markets. There's a huge international market, and honey is a premium pro product with a premium price in the market, local and international. And honey is just one of the nine byproducts. There are nine other byproducts which sell at almost uh, 10, 20, even sometimes higher than uh, that uh, price of honey. So if honey sells about 4,000 a kg in the market, royal jelly, for example, sells at a multiple quantum of that price in the market, uh, more than uh, 60, 70, even 80,000. You won't find royal jelly in Pakistan. In Europe, if you go, it even goes beyond two, two lakh uh, certified. So, and you know, and there are many other byproducts that come out of apiculture and the unit economics of uh, one hive and one small epiree managed by a small SME uh, is very strong, not only in terms of the returns it generates, but also in terms of the impact it uh, uh, generates in terms of the pollination and the impact and environment in terms of how the wealth is trickling down to the bottom of the pyramid enabling uh, the poor families. And uh, the business model innovation that we brought into the Prime Minister's Billion Tree uh, you know, is also very critical. Perhaps if in the Q&A we have time, we'll talk about that. I think uh, we've uh, gone uh, a bit over time and I'm still not done with my entire presentation. So I would like to uh, just kind of perhaps uh, move towards uh, the required shift in approach uh, at both the transaction and systematic level. Uh, we need an honest dialogue that is grounded in real data with commitment by all actors to sharing of investment data and financial and non-financial uh, both to inform and to guide capital locations and to establish an impact benchmark. Uh, proactive efforts to activate local investors and thereby domestic capital markets as the only and the most sustainable way to mitigate foreign exchange risk efforts to solve uh, for the foreign exchange fluctuation in emerging markets to stimulating the domestic capital markets. Transaction level uh, and operational level, more and better targeted use of blended finance instruments that can uh, uh, be introduced. And we'll talk about few blended finance instruments and financing facilities aggregate for State Bank and uh, for others uh, in the last uh, few years in Pakistan, how uh, they can be utilized. Required shift in approach, justification for subsidy, uh, lowering the barriers at both levels, transaction operational systematic, uh, will require not only thoughtful, well-designed interventions coordinating among many actors, but will also need targeted subsidization through the use of grant and or concessional capital support. Grant support is material, but marginal to address these barriers and create a necessary enabling environment for financing SMEs in Pakistan. Many of the causes for the high cost per transaction uh, uh, and the depression of returns arise uh, from the deficiency or inefficiencies in the broader environment. For example, difficulty in recruiting qualified staff uh, is something that needs to be looked at. Recognizing the importance of subsidy, we believe it is vital to sharpen its use case. And we've talked about it already, so I'm going to skip uh, this, this detail. Uh, Justification of subsidy, the primary focus of subsidy, the level of subsidy, the recipient of subsidy, the target use of subsidy, uh, target benefits of subsidy. Uh, I've done a bit of analysis on where uh, perhaps the subsidy can be used much better 
but certainly the way subsidies currently being used, it's not uh, optimal and we need to have a deeper thinking on how these subsidies can be better utilized because capital is scarce at the uh, government's end. Uh, so overall, the split that I see where we can unlock uh, capital and, uh, you know, uh, we can go into uh, Q&A and we can talk a bit more about it. Uh, the donors, the DFIs, the uh, diaspora have to play a major role, but then corporates who have remained silent, uh, we need to also now reach out to them. And most of the SMEs are typically a part of an SME value, uh, part of a value chain or supply chain of a uh, larger corporate. And uh, this is not really CSR for them. This is business for them. And creating models which are inclusive, uh, ultimately, these are the new models of business which will be sustainable and scalable for corporates. And uh, we can perhaps look at the case of Epiculture program that we're doing and the uh, company that's basically providing buyback arrangements to all the beekeepers and giving them equity vesting over a period of time. So how we can create these inclusive business models so that we let our uh, uh, actors who are lower down in the supply chain to also participate in the wealth uh, at the high end of the value chain by giving them some equity vesting rights. Um, call to action, action framework uh, for capital providers, collective action initiatives, uh, promising solutions. We need to embrace uh, strategic and systematic action framework as anchored in three dimensions of capital providers funding, number two, a variety of promising solutions enabled through collective action. Uh, before we dive into the recommended actions, we want to re-emphasize several key messages that are critical for the suggested from promising approaches. Moving from uh, diffuse and fragmented transactional to more strategic, smart, and systematic investment is critical. Focusing on real economy SMEs is very important. Those that produce tangible goods and services that meet people's real needs, accepting the, the, that basic business may not be sexy, but it's solid. So we need to have a uh, clear view on, on the three categories that, that are defined previously, the Giselle, the Sebra, and the Chicken, and have proper allocation in each one of those segments. Having an honest dialogue, dialogue that's grounded in real data, not hyperbolic dialogue that underestimates the challenges and masks uh, the potential solutions. Recalibrating the return expectations, uh, you know, we've talked about that. Uh, you know, we need to look at the whole uh, risk return liquidity and impact framework as opposed to just the risk return framework uh, while attracting investors. We also need to look at what returns other asset classes are uh, offering and the kind of returns uh, offered by SMEs in emerging markets and whatever data we have available for Pakistan also. And complement that uh, perhaps uh, with, with uh, uh, essentially what kind of impact we expect to generate by going after, after that SME segment and what kind of uh, uh, patriotic discount or impact discount uh, those investors are willing to. So the total return that is a combination of financial return and impact return needs to be looked at here as opposed to just the financial return. So the four calls to action, building a data set, focusing on one, uh, one sector at a time, not uh, country, uh, one sector as a community of factors like creating funds for agriculture, clean energy, unlocking domestic capital uh, markets as the only viable solution to foreign exchange issues, and building the local talent pool. Uh, you know, we can go into details of all these. Uh, we have some, uh, the surveys that I've carried out, I've summarized them and the data will be available in my report as I complete it. Uh, but generally the uh, overall best research, own experience and surveys and interviews of key stakeholders. Okay, to develop financial ecosystem is important to assist raising the necessary quantum of capital. Focus on small and growing small businesses is valuable, but increase uh, industry focus on SMEs is required to reach the scale. This is very critical. High transaction costs and friction in raising capital leads to delays in funding and delays in create, creating new institutions. Economy is nothing but a bag of transactions. 
And if we can uh, increase the pace of transaction and the pace at which we're executing transaction and get actors on both sides of the transaction uh, ready and align their expectations and recalibrate their return expectations, I think we can play a role in uh, improving the uh, number of transactions and essentially growing our economy and, uh, uh, and ultimately uh, opening up business development services to provide uh, important assistance and catalyze success in lending. Uh, there are distinct supply side constraints to raising capital for SME finance. In the country, regulatory requirement, commercial banks and investors are acting rationally these days. I feel they're looking to go after this new segment, but we need to show them the way and we need to work with them to come up with some innovations and leverage the existing technology to enable them. There are sufficient amounts of soft capital available to mitigate and underwrite risk from development institutions. We need to create finance facilities. I've created one uh, such uh, securitization waterfall under a parks and innovation fund. Uh, on the request of Ministry of Science Technology, I structured this facility and ultimately then uh, the ministry did not push it, but I, I worked with Ministry of Finance through the section officer and I had it announced in the last budget speech by Minister Mahmoud Azhar, even though most of the ministers did not know that was it, it was being announced. But after that, there was no owner of this fund. Ultimately, this STZA was formed Special Technology Zone Authority and I, I'm now looking to take this entire structure under that authority and helping them establish this fund so that we can bring in some commercial capital and aggregate that demand uh, from our industry and investors in, at the fund level. This fund is not going to go out and invest in the market directly, but work with existing funds uh, through a co-investment window and then also create a direct investment window in which it will provide exit to the pre-IPO stage companies that it had previously invested in. Um, that's the high-level structure innovation fund. I'll pause here and I'll now, uh, uh, you know, perhaps we can start the Q&A and we can focus our Q&A. Uh, the work we're doing in HSC, if you look at uh, <clears throat> the bottom left spectrum, this creates a supply of technologies and startups. And this innovation fund, what the, the way I've designed this entire fund, it aggregates the demand. Uh, to create a viable market, we have to take a demand supply uh, approach and just throwing grants and increasing the supply of research, increasing the supply of technologies and startups is not just going to deliver impact unless we're able to uh, uh, identify the demand on the other side, ensure that whatever innovation is happening, research is happening, startups are being created, are demand driven uh, so that we don't start searching for demand after we create that supply and ultimately aggregate that demand so that you know, uh, we are able to uh, execute transactions more efficiently and achieve scale. So having said that, sir, sorry I took a bit long and uh, I'll open myself to now any question and answers from the audience, from yourself, uh, if there may be any questions. Thank you, Umar. I think that's a very interesting, very good talk. Um, can I um, just uh, ask everybody to raise their hands as, uh, you know, if you want to ask a question, we'll certainly get to you. But before I go to the audience, Umar, can I ask you very simply, um, I know there is a huge romance about SMEs, but uh, I've never really understood what an SME is. Um, when I look at Engro, for example, which is one of the largest companies that we have, it's only a billion dollars of market cap or whatever of value. Um, to my mind, in, in the international parlance, that's probably an SME too. So in Pakistan's context, what is an SME? Can you please define it for us? And um, as you said, of course, it's a large and diverse sector, but um, within that you've targeted like, um, I think uh, 500 to a million or something, uh, 500,000 to a million. 
um, is, is that a good size yeah. SME or a small or a big SME? So, I mean, I'm trying to understand the whole SME concept. So, there are a couple of definitions, uh, Dr. Mm -hmm. uh IFC has its definition, State Bank has its definition, uh, SMITA has its definition. SMITA and State Bank are now aligned in their definition, but you can uh, stratify uh, the SME universe uh, by employees, by revenue, uh, by assets, by a whole host of different indicators. Uh, generally, uh, we feel that uh, SMEs, uh, the small category, uh, you know, is something that microfinance industry is just touching because micro enterprises, uh, you know, uh, grow to a certain scale and their caps on uh, the amount of lending microfinance institutions can do. So they're only able to barely touch the small category of it. Now, how you define whether a small uh, enterprise is defined by an enterprise which has employees less than five or less than 10, you know, that's a secondary discussion. And you can use any one of the three definitions that I talked about. They're very close. There's not a whole lot of difference. But ultimately, what we want to see is that who's dealing, who's catering to them. When we talk about uh, uh, the category that uh, where, you know, microfinance cannot venture and where there's no commercial case for the larger commercial banks, that is what we call the missing middle. And that is a segment that I believe is almost about 40% of our economy that continues to be ignored, where the commercial banks can't venture. And I'm not covering the informal sector yet. Informal sector obviously is informal, right? So that, that needs to be formalized. I'm talking about the formal sector. Uh, so that's about 40% of our uh, uh, SME that remains ignored. But yes, you're right. Uh, in the medium category, when you talk about the, the, the medium end of it, uh, especially the larger medium enterprises, uh, they will be covered by uh, corporates and uh, likes of Engros, which have graduated and now gone beyond the medium scale. These are large enterprises. Uh, they're well catered for. The banks you know, and others, private equity players locally and globally are working with them. The IFCs, the CDCs, they're all flirting with them, right? And so they have many options available, but the missing middle is my focus in this entire research who uh, no one is talking to, uh, no one has the mandate for. And their restrictions on micro and commercial banks to deal with them. So, what do we do for them? Because that is the real growth for engine. And uh, and uh, I mean, uh, I can give an example of uh, apiculture sector and what we have done there, and how we intend on creating a pipeline of companies which are bankable, and ultimately creating the scale that will make uh, the existing players provide more capital. Uh, but perhaps there is also a case of creating a new regulatory framework under state bank for SME banks like we did for microfinance banks, uh, where you essentially give them uh, relaxed paid up capital requirement uh, as opposed to commercial banks, where you give them less leeway to play in the markets and do things that otherwise commercial banks can do. But at the same time, they can perhaps go out and uh, uh, experiment a bit more with their capital than uh, what we've allowed our microfinance banks to do. And there are cases in other countries where such uh, regulatory frameworks for the SME banks have been created. We also have an SME bank that we wanted to, uh, I wrote a concept note for State Bank about seven years back. And after that, uh, the whole uh, privatization process started around uh, SME bank, but we have gone nowhere. And uh, we could have created one role model SME bank and then created this regulatory framework around that role model SME bank. In SME banking, we need to leverage a lot of technology and FinTech and innovate alternate delivery channels because the cost of building brick and mortar branches doesn't make sense. It doesn't give the ROI to the shareholders, right? So, I mean, um, I, I've gone a bit long in response to your question, but I, I hope I have defined my target market for this research a bit more. Yeah. Um, but, sir, I don't understand 
a lot of this work has been done for the state bank as you said ji maine ye 10 saal jo kaam kiya state bank ke liye kiya ye uski research ki basis pe ab main ye kaam khud kar raha hu is waqt mujhe koi sponsor nahi kar raha मेरे पिछले तीन साल में जितने भी काम हुए हैं उसमें से कुछ स्टडीज एचएससी के प्लेटफॉर्म पे कर रहा हूं बट बाय एंड लार्ज मेजॉरिटी ऑफ देम आई एम डूइंग इट ऑन माय ओन देयर इज नो वन स्पॉन्सरिंग मी गुड जॉब गुड जॉब अह नो द क्वेश्चन दैट आई हैड वाज के स्टेट बैंक एंड एसएमईज स्टेट बैंक की फंड भी लॉ नहीं लिख रहा है पहले भी लिख चुका है एंड वी आर ट्राइंग टू गेट द स्टेट बैंक इंडिपेंडेंस आई एम अ बिट सरप्राइज्ड व्हाट हैज द स्टेट बैंक गॉट टू डू विद एसएमईज ए सेकंड uh the the approach that you are taking and the state bank taking uh, is taking as well that smes the biggest constraint to smes is capital would you agree that uh, i mean i maaf you here pid and i have done some work on this too that capital is not the constraint to smes um i know the world bank likes to think capital is a constraint because the world bank obviously um is a lending agency uh, adb is a lending agency they only they their 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 dna is the capital is a constraint we've just done uh, something maybe smes maybe not but maybe micro but we've just done a project for setting up uh, street vending in islamabad you probably heard of it it's in g11 g10 or whatever you do that's a fantastic initiative yes but the question is when when we we've done a survey on them and we find they really don't need credit for them the bigger problem is regulation so how do you see this where does the need for credit begin and where does the need for regulation begin because to my mind the biggest problem right now i mean not to my mind to our research the biggest problem is regulation not sme not credit would you agree with that so in in my uh, presentation i actually already responded to this question and i'm in total agreement with you dr nadeem uh, credit is the last thing and because we don't have the clarity of what is required uh, to take that company to a point where they ultimately need that credit uh, and we continue to bring credit before everything else that needs to come before credit this model is not working uh, so the business development support uh, that we need to give to these companies uh, the risk capital that these companies need uh, the smart capital that these perhaps companies need uh to improve the governance to improve the systems to improve the processes uh the acceleration support that these smes need uh you know perhaps cluster associations need to be created to you know uh, give them uh, services on a shared basis a lot of things need to be done with these smes before uh so we need to scale their revenue we need to scale their size before they become uh interesting enough for the banks uh where then credit needs to be opened up for them and where they actually need credit and ultimately you know you see uh, there has to be a complete journey for this sme where are we trying to take this sme ultimately and i segmented my entire sme universe into three categories the giselle the zebra and the chicken the giselle for example i would like to see these companies in 3 to 5 years being listed on gemport uh in pakistan's history in 70 80 years we've not created a single unicorn in our ecosystem every company that needs to become a unicorn has to leave pakistan uh unfortunate right i mean all these foreign investors see that opportunity they invest in it they want them to have hold posts outside pakistan so they have to leave outside pakistan so we need to create an ecosystem that handholds these companies and ultimately lists them on our exchange and creates our own unicorns uh we've started now seeing seeing some activity in startups and hopefully can we can carry on this momentum and just organize our ecosystem and have a more thought through strategy not 
100 percent reliance on credit which is happening currently and which is a totally flawed mm-hmm. strategy so i totally agree with you but sir there's another issue that i want to raise with you then i'll quickly go to the floor i'm taking up too much space um there is a romance now with startups um well pakistan is a startup country and uh, yeah. we are 70 years later we are still a startup country and maybe 1000 years later we'll still be there i mean somehow we don't get to scale pakistan forget about the sme we are not scaling pakistan pakistan is stuck as a as a micro enterprise not even a sme yet we are still in the low developing country low income developing country category so we are really um so talk of unicorn kind of scares me because we have not been able to make pakistan a unicorn we haven't come out of the low income developing country but i'd like to draw your attention to something let's take sialkot for example or let's take wazirabad or gujrawala uh, gujarat sorry uh, whatever i mean these cities have industry which is really as far as i can see small and medium enterprise sialkot we checked recently has over a thousand sports manufacturing outfits or surgical goods outfits now what would you suggest for some of these that are really micro sorry small enterprises why are they still small enterprises after four generations sialkot is still uh, full of smes gujarat after four or five generations is still full of smes um is it that they lack credit what is it why is why are they not growing so amongst the list of things that i mentioned earlier on that are critical before we start focusing on credit um you know essentially creating clusters mm-hmm. clusters of uh, you know uh, in sialkot sialkot has clusters yes sialkot is a cluster and has built up upon clusters and we need to replicate similar cl- clusters across different cities understanding the local uh, capabilities and endowments and that is a starting point for uh, i 100% agree this is the way forward so no but what is the reason that the cluster in sialkot has not succeeded in four generations there is forget unicorn there is not even a single sialkot firm listed on the pakistan stock exchange Indeed. and not a single sialkot firm that has reached a billion dollar mark I'll give you an example, just one small example, and focus on Salcourt. That will explain the point. So Salcourt, for example, uh, medical instruments, uh, they're known for that, and they're known for other clusters also. But medical instruments is one. Uh, by the way, जितने भी लोग Salcourt में business चला रहे हैं, university से पढ़ के नहीं आए, इनको universities ने कुछ ज़्यादा support नहीं दिया आज तक, हाँ? और जितना इन्होंने किया, अपने बलबोते भी किया, और very entrepreneurial in nature, very uh, uh, lot of dynamism in that uh, community but ek main instrument ka example dunga yahan pe for example le grandioscope the grandioscope is a small instrument uh, that is being manufactured in salcourt uh, at a very small cost and uh, maybe 20 25 dollars uh, uh, they sell it to germany and germany basically adds a small iot devices puts a stamp uh, and then sells the same instrument at about uh, over 400 dollars globally and back to us also ami unko wo cheez ek hamari bahut si universities milke in cheezon ke sath innovation un companies ko in smes ko clusters ko thoda sa innovation isme lai jaye duniya ki is waqt regional and global demand ko samjha jaye ke what are the emerging technologies what are what is the next step change in that industry agar wo innovation and best practices and knowledge aur innovation ko nahi milti aur wo apni puri duniya ki jo innovation ho rahi hai uske sath at pace nahi rehte to piche reh jayenge 
और ओवर द ईयर्स यही हुआ उनकी डायनामिज्म तो थी क्लस्टर्स तो बन गए काम शुरू कर दिया एक लेबर एडवांटेज थी हमारे पास काम भी शुरू कर दिया एट लो कॉस्ट बना के बेचना भी शुरू कर दिया बट बियॉन्ड दैट वो जो पिछली जनरेशन थी एंड आई फील कि हमारे मुल्क में एक और बड़ी एक प्रॉब्लम है कि हम यूथ uh, को आगे नहीं आने देते तो फैमिलीज में भी ये होता है इंस्टीट्यूशन में भी ये होता है एंड द ओल्डर जनरेशन हैज बिट ऑफ एन इनर्शिया टू टॉप न्यू इनोवेशन एंड एंड वेन दे लीव दे यू नो दिजन विद वन जनरेशन मेक्स मनी दी अदर जनरेशन डिस्ट्रॉयज दैट मनी एंड वीव सीन दैट हैपन सो मेनी टाइम्स We are not able to institutionalize our businesses. So, and there are other challenges, and we can dissect and bisect all these challenges. But point here is that this is not just one company's job. It is a collective work. And we, first of all, starting point for everything is uh, data, as I pointed out in my call for action. Uh, so, this collective call for action, uh, uh, we need to, we need to, and it's high time we need to create a forum, and perhaps Pied could be that forum. Uh, and I am happy to continue feeding my research done in this space so far, and then. Uh, with the guidance of uh, esteemed uh, economists like yourself and others who are interested in this space uh, you know we may take a wrong direction but ultimately uh, if if the ultimate purpose is there we will find our course and we'll find the right solution great thank you uh, let me go to the floor mansoor sahab assalam alaikum can you hear me ji we can hear you please introduce yourself and uh, uh, ask my name is mansuri sani i am currently working at fpcci and uh, i have just started working there i was a part, i was a part of pied during my studies in mphil acha mere do sawal hain ek to ye hai ke jo mera chhota sa analysis hai jiski basis pe mera ye sawal hai ke don't you think ke hamara issue jo hai wo lack of confidence hai aaj ka hamara jo investor hai wo zyada dhara hua hai He is more uh, threatened from the risk के मेरा जो instability instability है economy में उसकी वजह से जो मेरा investment है या जो मेरा startup है वो डूब जाएगा इस वजह से भी एस एम ईज में जो है वो ग्रोथ नहीं हो रही है इसके ऊपर थोड़ा सा आप देख तो बता दें दूसरा यह है कि इज देर एनी पॉसिबिलिटी कि हम गवर्नमेंट को अगर इस सिस्टम से बाहर निकाल दें कि इन्वेस्टर खुद जो है वो स्टार्टअप जो करना चाहता है ये दोनों खुद हो जाए तो बीच में से जो एक गवर्नमेंट की हमारे यहाँ जो एक बेहतर तस्वीर नहीं है उसकी वजह से भी शायद ये इशू आ रहा है कि ऐसे स्टार्टअप नहीं हो रहे तो अगर हम गवर्नमेंट को निकाल दें और जो इन्वेस्टमेंट करने वाला है वो खुद जो है स्टार्टअप करने वाले से अगर मीट करता है कोई ऐसा सिस्टम कोई पॉलिसी बनी है या इसके ऊपर कुछ थाट्स हैं तो ये दो चीजें जरा क्लियरिफाई कर दीजिएगा जी जी मैं तो मेरा आई एम देखें जी माय फोकस ऑल माय लाइफ हैज बीन आई एम अ कैपिटल मार्केट एक्सपर्ट बिफोर आई केम बैक टू पाकिस्तान इन 2011 आई वाज इन आई स्पेंट गुड सेवन एट इयर्स वर्किंग ऑन वॉल स्ट्रीट एंड एट द रिस्क ऑफ यू नो बोस्टिंग यू नो माय ओन ट्रम्पेट हेयर we were at the forefront of innovation on wall street some of the instruments i designed and structured for some of the leading investment banks in us perhaps uh us tarah ke instruments ab duniya nahi bana payegi because 2008 mein pura world financial crisis aaya and all my life i focused in on capital markets and capital market investors but when i came to pakistan i realized the mindset of our investors is also a major challenge and sometimes we need to address the market failures that i talked about in my presentation this rent seeking mindset and this uh, uh, this inability to understand new innovation and new economy opportunities is something that we also need to tackle 
so uh, i do not believe in public spending and i do not believe in public spending uh, to uh, produce uh, you know commercial activities to support commercial activities at the same time uh, subsidies are important uh, to understand the demand side issues and to address the supply side issues where commercial capital uh, cannot come uh, generally we need to initiate with some uh, subsidy program but those subsidy programs need to be a bit thought out but today's session was not about subsidies what we need from the government today's session the entire session was what are the different commercial actors and what are the different commercial instruments for finance that we need to identify uh so that we are able to meet the demand supply gaps of smes and perhaps there is some role for the government in bringing some subsidy and some grant money here but uh, by and large uh, the 3 billion amount that i have estimated that we can unlock for smes is not coming from the government it's coming from commercial investors so i agree with you we need to we need to uh, kind of differentiate between the role of government and the role role of private investors thank you zishantarin while we wait for the next hand i'd like to share a screen uh, a video a short video two minute video Ji. on a platform i created for sccp to connect Ji. our private investors with our smes and fast growth opportunities so uh, can you hear Go the ahead. sound no abad
So this platform went live in Feb. Um, since Feb, I received about over 600 plus applications from startups around Pakistan without doing any marketing. Uh, that shows uh, the appetite for capital. Uh, these companies are naturally looking to raise capital. They have ideas. Uh, we screened those. Uh, majority of those we felt were not mature enough and they perhaps had to go through some incubation program before they could connect with us. But we picked up a portfolio of about 100 startups. And out of those 100 startups, we did some due diligence uh, on the, uh, you know, looked at the evaluation of business plans. And, uh, and we created a portfolio of almost about, uh, you know, uh, 20, 25 companies. This is the portfolio of our companies. Uh, I've created a complete uh, securitization model, uh, which I wanted to quickly show you. So, so what I've done is basically uh, we've gone and done an in-depth due diligence on this portfolio, about 30 companies, projected their cash flows, looked at their repayment capacities, identified what is their optimal capital strategy, how much debt, if there's debt capacity, repayment capacity, and then the remaining amount through other instruments, perhaps if uh, they can uh, do equity or convertibles uh, without diluting. Uh, the core objective is that we need to minimize the dilution and ultimately ensure that they have capital across the entire uh, life cycle journey of that company till we accelerate and list that company on, on the exchange. So uh, keeping that in mind, we create the uh, capital strategy and then the instruments that we need to and finalize those term sheets. And uh, based on the instruments that the fund will invest in, then the fund will start earning some cash flow. Based on the debt instruments, we learn some uh, interest and then ultimately we get the payment uh, principal back. And based on the equity, we get some dividend payments. So ultimately, in the case of startups, generally, these are usually not profitable startups, but in occasionally you'd go into companies where which are profitable and can pay you dividends also along the way. But we're not typically people, investors who come into startups don't come for dividends and regular profit uh, uh, taking. But what they do, uh, the game is basically they come and invest in a certain multiple in three years, five years, they expect the multiple valuation multiple will go uh, tenfold and they'll be able to exit and make money out of that exit. So, you know, so we take certain assumptions in best median case scenario and we projected the portfolio returns on fairly conservative basis. And uh, what we're able to create is an instrument which is diversified in which investors, if they participate, they're able to take diversified exposure, not in one company, but across 30, 35 solid companies that have been screened out of a much larger portfolio and have, which have gone through multiple filters before they invested it. So by diversifying in a fund, they're able to uh, uh, de-risk their investment immediately. Secondly, uh, in, on a portfolio basis, you know, we feel that if you have uh, a few of a small hit ratio of success stories, ultimately your entire portfolio will realize the return exp expectations that investors have. Individually, when investors go into startups, it's very difficult. So, so you know, I just want to show uh, that we have uh, been working uh, to mobilize domestic capital and, uh, you know, uh, the work I'm doing with HSE, because in this new knowledge economy, uh, the input to uh, the replacement to raw material for industry as it was in the industrial age is now the knowledge, the knowledge worker, the IP. So unless we increase the quality and the supply of this research technology, on the other side, you know, what I'm doing here, which is the demand side, if I don't get a quality pipeline, then I won't be able to uh, attract the investors. So it's a kind of a chicken and egg problem. It's a difficult problem and one has to uh, work in tandem, both on supply and demand side. So let me get to the next question, please. Zishan Tareen. Zishan Tareen, please introduce yourself and ask. Zishan Tareen, 
Vishan sir, we can't hear you. I have experience of almost a decade in SME lending in MCB Bank. The thing that I want to point out is here that uh, SMEs suffocate because of the knowledge and the financing amount that is financed by the state bank. For example, if we look at the ADR ratios, advanced to deposit almost 9,000 billion and 400 million. 400 billion out of 9,000 billion. There are 6 million SMEs and the banks have financed only 1,78,000 SMEs only. So one thing is that we are not inclined to finance the SMEs to the level that they require. And the second thing is we do not have a single data center or a data scientist for SMEs who can, there's no single platform that addresses to the needs of SME at one time. For example, the SBP, SME banks, MIDA, Chamber of Commerce, associations, SME players and banks, they are all working in isolation. Nobody has taken the initiative that who is being respons held responsible for the last three, four decades of poor performance of SME. We need to create a simple data center that is like NCOC that supervises everything. And I know of hundreds of investors who have 100 to 200 million rupees of capital, but they could not invest because they do not have the uh, uh, confidence over these institutions or the policies. And the third thing, law and order situation. There is no guarantee their receivables, their stocks, and their all the agreements could be executed under Pakistan law. What we need mm -hmm. to do is create a data center and centralize a consolidated approach. I have sent an email to uh, Nadeem Saab uh, if he kindly look at this. I'm thankful that someone is taking ownership of that. Hey, Zishan Saab, come, come and talk to us. We will certainly work with you. We are looking for people like you. Thank you. Umar Saab? Yes, sir. So, uh, sorry, uh, uh, who Zishan, sir. Zishan, Zishan. Sir. Zishan Saab, uh, one of my call to action, you basically commented, uh, you've uh, endorsed that call to action. And I totally agree that we need to have a coordinated approach and we need to, uh, we, you know, uh, we need to uh, make sure that we have relevant data to guide us uh, uh, in designing all our future interventions related to SME. And there's no one single data repository on SME. And there are many different in institutions which are looking at the SME space within their mandate, SMIDA is doing it, SME Bank is doing it, State Bank is looking at it, has been looking at it. But coordination between these actors is, yes, missing. Recently, there was some SME council that was also established by the under the Ministry of Commerce. What they're doing, what they're not doing, I'm not privy to a large extent. Uh, SMIDA reached out to us at HSC, and I've uh, given them a thought where uh, we need to create a national idea lab, perhaps, where SMEs uh, who are struggling with innovation and perhaps don't have the, that kind of formal uh, uh, education that will allow them to formalize their businesses and you know, go through incubation, organize incubation acceleration programs, and then go through listing processes. On the other side, we have startups who are not grounded in practical reality, have led a very sheltered life. If we can create a matchmake between the right startups who have the right innovative ideas or technologies with SMEs, 
you know that can unleash tremendous opportunities for the startups because they are able to get connected with real economy there's also a lot of infatuation on technology without having a sense of the real economy i call it the high tech myopia technology on its own doesn't produce well it has to somehow enable real economy so this linkage between smes and startups is something that we are pursuing under the national idea lab but you know uh, i totally agree with you and i'm available to support you let me go to the next question alia khan ji thank you nadeem and uh, thank you umar for a very very um detailed um presentation i admire your uh, energy uh, for putting this whole framework uh, in front of us so my question is uh, that there are smes that are beyond the realm of hec what do you have to say about those because as i uh, see it uh, you are talking about uh, the kind of entrepreneurial uh, and innovative talent that comes out of uh, universities and higher education institutions of all kinds what about the manufacturing smes that for example dr nadeem also alluded to that are already there what would be the uptake of the framework that you have presented to us be for those manufacturing smes uh, yesterday i heard dani rodrick speaking on uh, the role of the manufacturing uh, sector and that without elevating the role of the manufacturing sector there can really be no economic growth according to dani rodrick uh, very famous economist so i would like your uh, take on that thank you फर्स्ट ऑफ ऑल आई एम आई एम जस्ट अ कंसल्टेंट इन एजेंसी एंड यहां पे मेरा जो मैंडेट था ये स्टार्टअप्स को सपोर्ट करना था तो एंड आई हैव फेल्ट दैट देयर इज अ लॉट ऑफ ग्रांट दैट हैज बीन गिवन टू एजेंसी टू सपोर्ट स्टार्टअप्स एंड इनोवेटर्स ऑन रिसर्चर्स हु आर वर्किंग ऑन कमर्शियलाइजेबल रिसर्च एंड बाय द एंड ऑफ इट इफ वी आर एबल टू इंप्लीमेंट दिस प्रोजेक्ट टू द बेस्ट ऑफ आवर एबिलिटीज एंड अचीव आवर माइलस्टोन्स एंड इंडिकेटर्स वी विल इंक्रीज अ लॉट ऑफ सप्लाई but what will happen with that supply if there is no taker in the industry there is no demand that's aggregated and organized to take those ideas research innovations technologies forward that's why i continue to focus in my solution but uh, i'm not just working with hsc i'm working with a whole host of other uh, uh, bodies as well and uh, recently i started work uh, you know i designed a program uh, for the agriculture sector in which i have created a blueprint how to revive the entire agriculture economy by uh, uh, leveraging science and technology and innovation in agriculture sector and the first leg of that entire blueprint that i created is being rolled out as the prime minister's billion tree honey program and i believe uh, similar approaches uh, value chain cluster based approaches can be developed for other value chains non agri value chains uh, we talked about a few value chains in sialkot and you know other parts of pakistan but uh, i totally agree with you that needs to be done but as umar jawadani i can only do so much so i need to pick my battles and i'm focusing a bit these days on startups yeah sir you are muted dr nadeem dr aftab ahmed uh please introduce yourself ask your question uh thank you very much can you hear me ji ji i can okay uh thank you very much for excellent talk dr umar is always pleasure listening to you and your wonderful <laughs> initiatives and dr nadeem is doing wonderful job so i am following his instinct and you as well actually 
as during the presentation, Dr. Ndri mentioned that in Pakistan, I think for the last uh, two, three years, this is also what I have experienced uh, for SMEs and startups is the regulatory uh, portion because in Pakistan is so strict and they don't understand your needs. That's why you suffer a lot. Like you have developed a technology, but that's not being translated only because of the regulations they are being implemented. In most of the countries that you have also experienced, like if you talk about US, China, Korea, Japan, Singapore, and many other countries, if you develop something, then that can be like, they give you provision to translate it. And then they further like, if that is translatable, then they, they, they initially give you provision and then further like approval for that product. But in Pakistan, like uh, we should understand, like I'm working in a biotech sector. So in biotech sector, uh, you don't need to have a big factory. You can have a startup or a small company in a, in a single room, just like if you are producing the stem cells or if you are producing the exosomes, for example. But our regulatory bodies, they don't understand that. So how to make them understand this? This is one thing. Another thing is like, this is also what I experienced working in different countries, as you have mentioned that in US, I also been working in US, like I worked 10 years ago there. And most of the universities there, they have the laboratories from the industry. And when I came to Pakistan, we started asking the universities that they should have a good partnership with the industry. And even I myself requested a few of the universities that I can give the equipments and everything uh, and that could be a, a contribution on the industrial side. So industrial process can be solved in, in, in inside the university. And that's not being taken up. There are so many hurdles. And you are sitting in HEC. I think uh, uh, you should like work on these issues. You know, the development in Pakistan, if you talk about the knowledge-based economy and other, other things, there should be a close association between the industries and the academia. And you have given the examples of one of the products that's being uh, built in Sialkot. You know the situation of industry in Pakistan, like we don't have research and development. And for research and development, uh, they can go to academia, but they are not taking the projects from the industry. So being in HEC, what do you think that how we can solve these kind of problems? HSC is not here to solve all these problems. mandate A lot of people are questioning whether HSC should even exist. universities my universities in the past have become used to too used to supported by the grants and the government and HSC. Uh, but over a period of time, I think universities need to graduate and become self-sustainable. So I personally believe HSC role over a period of time focus and universities in, the, in this timeline have transform into truly entrepreneurial universities who are not just creating knowledge for the heck of it, who are basically using that knowledge to create impact. Uh, that impact can mean some revenue for the universities as well. You can see U.S. universities have their endowments. There is a company where they become a unicorn, and that wealth then is then plowed back in doing R&D activity. So universities have to take an initiative of themselves. When you have your university policies, IP policies, employment policies, you have to revisit them. Maybe Yamana takes a dust universities to milk camera physically or Yasara data when I collect here. So even the best universities in Pakistan are struggling in figuring out what right IP policies they need to 
to you know incentivize their faculty to go out and commercialize their research this whole tenure track system is just pushing everyone to publish journals and uh, get their promotions because there's an economic incentive for them but at the same time you know if you kind of uh, give them some breathing space that if you're able to commercialize or if you're accepted into a program where your idea is going to be then used to commercialize and you get a waiver from your teaching responsibilities and other publishing responsibilities that you have and then you also give them an incentive that you get uh, a portion of equity in that startup if a startup or a spin off company is created based on the research of a faculty you know uh, someone who has brilliant ideas can start churning out tons of ideas take small equity stakes and lots of these businesses or you know perhaps if it goes to licensing have some revenue flowing to him and ultimately it's these economic incentives that drive human action and uh, reaction and you know we so getting the my university mein aap dekhiye ek university one of the leading university just ne apni policy banayi hai ki aap ka researcher jo hai 97.5% equity own kar sakta hai in a spin off company if that spin off company is created uh, with the base of uh, with, with, with the use of his technology uh, research on the other side another one of our leading university uh, you know has no ip policy it's completely blank on this agar aap stanford ki ip policy dekhte hain wo cap kar dete hain they don't allow faculty to own more than 20% in a company that's created out of and there's a reason agar aap unko 97.5% kehte hain ki ji apni aap equity le us company mein wo company banana shuru kar denge wo padhana chhod denge baaki response to aapne balancing karni so these policies need to now be thought out and by the way 99% of researchers that i met in my cross country visit to these universities a uh, majority of the faculty and researchers uh, felt that uh, by law they are not allowed to create companies or so there's a difference between having an equity stake in a company and being part of the management and earning salary in a company yes if you are an employee of the university you cannot and if you are part of a government uh, university uh, you have to perhaps get nocs and figure out what the uh, policies are in your university and why government is holding you back but in my report i have given some guidelines how universities can create for profit parallel structures you know uh, which ultimately uh, creates incentive mechanisms for universities and researchers and even uh, other knowledge workers students who are operating those universities to work together to create commercial revenue ab university ka kaam nahi hai commercial kaam shuru karte hain but jo university mein knowledge ho rahi ultimately they need to take that knowledge out of the lab and bring it to the market and these structures and guidelines will help them do that ये मैंने एक पीछे एक स्क्रीन भी बनाई हुई है ये मैंने इसलिए बनाई हुई है कि कुछ फैसिलिटीज मैंने बनाई है फॉर एग्रीकल्चर सेक्टर फॉर क्लीन क्लीन एनर्जी सेक्टर ये मैंने एक फैसिलिटी बनाई थी फॉर क्लीन एनर्जी एंड वो टेक्नोलॉजीज बहुत मौजूद है हमारे पास बट वी डोंट हैव एन ऑर्गेनाइज वे ऑफ आइडेंटिफाइंग विच टेक्नोलॉजी हैज वेदर टेक्नोलॉजी रेडीनेस लेवल टू बी एब्जॉर्ब इन टू समल प्रोग्राम इन विच वी आर रिलायंट ऑन इम्पोर्टिंग ऑल काइंड ऑफ रिन्यूएबल टेक्नोलॉजीज स्टेट बैंक की रिक्वायरमेंट थी कि जी अगर आप कोई एज अ स्पॉन्सर यू लुकिंग टू पुट अप अ क्लीन एनर्जी प्रोजेक्ट एंड फिफ्टी परसेंट ऑफ द टोटल प्रोजेक्ट कॉस्ट ऑफ शो कॉस्ट नीड्स टू बी मोबलाइज बिफोर यू कैन अवेल द लोकल रिन्यूएबल एनर्जी फाइनेंशियल फैसिलिटी सो दे आस्क मी टू स्ट्रक्चर दिस यूरो डिनोमिनेटेड फॉरन क्रेडिट लाइन एंड क्रेडिट गारंटी फैसिलिटी ये ए एफ टी डेवलपमेंट एजेंसी फ्रांस से नगोशिएट किया था स्टेट बैंक ने एन आई डेट दिलिटी आई प्रोजेक्ट लीड फॉर दिस बट इस तरह के प्रोग्राम्स अभी हमारा पार्क स्वेस इनोवेशन के अंदर भी एक इवेंट हुआ जिसमें बहुत सी टेक्नोलॉजी आई हुई थी एग्रीकल्चर के अंदर जो हमने प्रोग्राम अभी आपको बिलियन ट्री का बताया ये प्रोग्राम जो है अल्टीमेटली वॉट दे डू एज दे क्रिएट डिमांड फॉर टेक्नोलॉजी जहाँ पे जो टेक्नोलॉजी बन रही है अगर सप्लाई हम क्रिएट करते जाएंगे बट दूसरी साइड पे वी आर नॉट क्रिएटिंग क्लस्टर्स विच और प्रोग्राम्स विच कैन एब्जॉर्ब दैट टेक्नोलॉजी uh ultimately we will not be able to create that scale and impact so i think i've answered now both of the questions uh
डॉक्टर हिजाजी वाइस चांसलर साहब डॉक्टर साहब बताइए entrepreneurship. मेरे थोड़ी सी ऑब्जर्वेशन बेसिकली दो तीन चीज़ों के बारे में आपको इसलिए देता हूँ आप उसका जवाब भी अगर देना चाहें पहली बात तो ये कि एंटरप्रनोर जो है वो एक मिनिमम एफर्ट से मार्केट में एंटर करना चाहता है अगर आपके उसके लिए रेगुलेशंस जितनी बढ़ाते जाएंगे उतना वो डिफिकल्टी एंटर करेगा और पाकिस्तान में जनरली चाहे रेगुलेशन हैं या नहीं है बट देर लॉट ऑफ फीयर के देर लॉट ऑफ रेगुलेशन मैं पर्सनली एक एंटरप्रनोर एक एक एसएमई मैंने एस्टेब्लिश की और मुझे काफ़ी प्रॉब्लम्स आए मुख्तलिफ अदारों से जो कि मुख्तलिफ़ किस्म के टैक्सेज और मुख्तलिफ किस्म के अजीब किस्म के लोग आ जाते हैं सो बेसिकली इट इट वॉज अ वेरी डिस्करेजिंग फैक्टर एंड आई हैव टू रियली विड्रॉ डैट नंबर टू एस एम ई जो है इसका पाकिस्तान में एक वक्त था सिक्सटीज वगैरह में हर चीज़ का कोई फादर होता था अब इसका कोई फादर नहीं है स्मेडा के नाम सुनते हैं लेकिन स्मेडा के अंदर आप वॉक इन कर रहे हैं तो वो आपको कुछ इन्फॉर्मेशन नहीं दे सकते वो जर्नलिज्म की बातें हैं रिसर्च रिपोर्ट्स की बातें हैं सब कुछ हो रही होती हैं तो आई थिंक कोई मिनिस्ट्री कोई सियासतदान कोई ब्यूरोट कोई डिप्लोमेट कोई एक्सपर्ट इसका फादर होना चाहिए और आप बताइए कि क्यों ये फादर नहीं बन रहा कि जो ऑन करे और पब्लिकली हर वक्त अनाउंस करे कि इतने एस आ गए हैं यहाँ पर पोटेंशल है एसएमई के आपने अभी एनर्जी की बात की सोलर एनर्जी का बहुत बड़ा पोटेंशियल इस वक्त एसएमई के मार्केट में है लेकिन इतनी बड़ी अप्रीहेंशन है कि आप किसी से पूछे कहते नहीं यार कुछ नहीं हो मेरे पास लोग आते हैं मैं कहते जाओ कहते जी ये गवर्नमेंट नहीं कह रही तो कुछ भी नहीं हो रहा मुझे याद है कि ग्रीस में जब इन्होंने सोलर वाटर हीटर लगाने शुरू किए थे आज से बीस पच्चीस साल पहले तो गवर्नमेंट ने तीन महीने एडवर्टाइज किया था दो कंपनियों से बढ़ के बत्तीस कंपनीज हो गई थी और वहाँ आप आज भी जाएं तो वहाँ हर छत के ऊपर सोलर वाटर हीटर लगा हुआ है पाकिस्तान के अंदर ऐसी कोई गवर्नमेंट का आधार नहीं आई डोंट नो व्हाई आप यू हैव टू आंसर नहीं कि क्या बात है कि गवर्नमेंट इसको प्रोटेक्ट नहीं कर रही क्या शायद गवर्नमेंट डर रही है कि लोग सोलर लगा लेंगे तो वापडा की बिजली कौन खरीदेगा फिर हम इसको कैसे करेंगे नंबर थ्री जो बात बड़ी इंटरेस्टिंग है वो ये है कि जब आप यूनिवर्सिटीज़ की बात करते हैं बिकॉज आई एम इन यूनिवर्सिटी और मैं ये जो इंक्यूबेशन वगैरह की मुख्तलिफ कमेटीज़ में मुख्तलिफ यूनिवर्सिटीज़ के हूँ एंड मुझे जो सबसे बड़ा प्रॉब्लम नज़र आ रहा है वो लैंग्वेज का नज़र आ रहा है हम बातें करते हैं यहाँ बैठ के अंग्रेज़ी में अंग्रेज़ी रिपोर्टें अंग्रेज़ी एनालिसिस अंग्रेज़ी सारा कुछ जो एस एम ई सेक्टर है वो नाइन्टी नाइन परसेंट उर्दू मीडियम है अब जो इंक्यूबेशन में भी जो गैप है मुझे बड़ा मज़ा आया वहाँ पर एक जगह मीटिंग हुई कुछ इंक्यूबेशन के कुछ लोग आए हुए थे उनको अंग्रेजी नहीं आती थी इधर जो दूसरे थे वो उर्दू नहीं बोल सकते थे क्योंकि टर्मिनोलॉजी उनके जहन उर्दू की नहीं थी वो ऐसा गैप था मीटिंग टेबल के ऊपर कभी अंग्रेजी चल रही है कभी उर्दू चल रही है जब उर्दू चल रही है तो वो वोट से सुन रहे हैं अंग्रेजी चल रही है तो हम वोट से सुन रहे 
तो ये एक्चुअली ये एक बहुत बड़ा क्राइसिस है पाकिस्तान में एस एम ई सेक्टर में कम अज कम इसको खत्म करना चाहिए और एस एम ई की जो भी एक्टिविटीज हैं वो सारी उर्दू में होनी चाहिए अदरवाइज आप एस एम ई को बिल्कुल भी किसी तरीके से ऊपर नहीं ला सकते यूनिवर्सिटीज जो है वो यूनिवर्सिटीज का भी यही प्रॉब्लम है कि वो भी अंग्रेजी मीडियम है सारी तो यूनिवर्सिटी के प्रोफेसर से आप एक्सपेक्ट ना ही करें तो अच्छा है मैंने बहुत इस पर टकरें मारी हैं और मैं इस तरह पहुंचाऊँ कि एक प्रोफेसर को एस एम ई प्रोमोट करने के लिए बनाने के लिए उसको बड़ा एक स्पेशल होना चाहिए उर्दू मीडियम भी होना चाहिए इंग्लिश मीडियम भी होना चाहिए वो पंजाबी भी जानता हो और वो क्या तो माय क्वेश्चन इज बेसिकली कि इन प्रॉब्लम्स का ये इंग्लिश मीडियम वाले प्रॉब्लम्स का फादर होने का प्रॉब्लम का और ये जो पाँच साल के लिए टैक्स फ्री सॉर्ट ऑफ एनवायरमेंट देने का हाउ इट इज पॉसिबल थैंक यू तो सर पहले तो आपका बिल्कुल हंड्रेड परसेंट सही ऑब्जर्वेशन है अक्रॉस ऑल द डिफरेंट एस्पेक्ट्स यू मैं हुकूमत के बिहार पे तो नहीं बोल सकता बट हुकूमत को एक चैंपियन तो बनाना है हुकूमत ने बनाई है बनाया एक चैंपियन द मिनिस्टर ऑफ कॉमर्स इज द पर्सन हुईंग द होल एस एम ई एंड ही क्रिएटेड एन एस एम ई काउंसिल पीपल हुजेंडा फॉर स्टेट बैंक फॉर अदर ऑर्गेनाइजेशन इन पाकिस्तान almost 99% of the work done at the state bank level for SME I am the guy who led all those projects so uh, uh, I've connected with the SME council from the HSC platform but ideally you know they should have identified the people who been uh, involved problem pakistan kalmia jo mujhe samajh aata hai jo sirf ek kalmia hai wo ye hai ki we have all the wrong people at the wrong places uh, if we can get a system where we try to get the right people at the right places i think pakistan has tremendous potential starting from universities to you know all key institutions around mera zati khayal hai ki ji humne sahi logon ko mauka nahi diya aur galat log galat jagahon pe baithe hain dusri aapki jo baat hai uh ye sme ki inability to absorb innovation they don't come from formal education backgrounds and i touched upon this topic under the national idea lab what i proposed is uh creating a matchmaking program between startups and smes एक एग्जांपल देता हूँ फूड सेक्टर का देता हूँ एग्जांपल बहुत से आपके होल इन द वॉल काइंड ऑफ रेस्टोरेंट्स वेरी गुड रेस्टोरेंट्स व्हेन आई मूव फ्रॉम कराची टू इस्लामाबाद वन थिंग आई रियली मिस वाज फूड इन कराची एंड कराची फूड वाज रियली गुड इन सो मेनी प्लेसेस बट अगर आपको एक स्टार्टअप आती है एक फ्रेंचाइज मॉडल बिल्ड करती है जिस एक छोटा सा ठेला था जिसमें स्टूडेंट बिरयानी को उन्होंने फ्रेंचाइज मॉडल के थ्रू स्केल किया I'm just saying के वो छोटी एस एम ई जो है जो ऑपरेट कर रही है जब आप उसमें एक फॉर्मल एक इनोवेटिव माइंड लेके आते हैं तो इट अनलिश इज ट्रमेंडस अपॉर्चुनिटीज फॉर दी एस एम ई एंड फॉर दैट यूथ फॉर दैट स्टार्टअप एंड दैट एस एम ई मे नॉट है एबिलिटी टू गो थ्रू अ फॉर्मल इनोवेशन प्रोग्राम बट वैन यू पेयर दैम अप एंड यू नो टाई द नॉट थ्रू एन एक्विटी डिस्ट्रीब्यूशन मॉडल डिफाइनिंग की माइल स्टोन इन्वेस्टिंग स्केजल्स uh these are transactional uh, activities uh, which which uh, i specialize in doing so but point ye hai ki jab tak hum is tarah ki cheezon ko nahi promote karte aur apni uh, smes ko mein innovation nahi laate kyunki ab unko ek formal incubation ya education program ke through nahi hum guzar sakte they are already doing business and they don't want to come into this whole uh, discussion and nonsense of incubation to be honest so wo startups kar rahi hain aur startups jo hain unke paas practical reality nahi hai market research nahi hai they live a shattered life kabhi unhone मार्केट में जाके काम नहीं किया यू नो सो सो व्हेन यू कंबाइन द द टू यू आर एबल टू ब्रिंग एन एक्सपीरियंस फ्रॉम मार्केट्स ग्राउंड स्टार्टअप इन प्रैक्टिकल रियलिटी ऑफ व्हाट द रियल इकोनॉमिक चैलेंजेस आर एंड देन वी लेट द इनोवेटिव माइंड्स ऑफ द यूथ एंड देर एबिलिटी टू ब्रिंग एन अंडरस्टैंड इनोवेशन एंड एसएमई सेक्टर 
अनलिश पोटेंशियल्स फॉर बोथ साइड एंड क्रिएट विन-विन सिचुएशंस फॉर एवरीवन uh kitni aapki smes aur kitni my startups banni hai and there is no connectivity there is no platform so hopefully this platform that we are trying to create with smeda and hsc international innovation lab will do something yeah umar sahab let me bring in the last question dr samar fatma samar fatma dr samar fatma assalam sir assalam yourself please ask your question yes sir i am dr samar fatma tenure associate professor from university of gujarat So this is my second webinar which I am attending, and uh, I have no more knowledge like you. But uh, my basic question, as I want to submit some project in HSC, uh, but I am feeling problem in registration, uh, uh, as uh, I want to register company. Can you guide how to register company and uh, how to? Uh, डिस्कशन However, I do feel that there are a few things, Omar Sir, that I might mention to you before we depart. One is we talk about clustering in many ways, but the one thing that we don't do cluster at all is idea formation. So as far as SMEs goes, we've got Smeda, we've got State Bank, we've got this, we've got that, Ministry of Commerce, etc., etc., HEC. Where is the clustering there? Why is State Bank doing SMEs? by the law their job is monetary policy why are they getting into something else i've been saying this for a long time what is meda doing which been there for 40 years nobody's evaluated nobody's assessed it secondly we talk about universities universities themselves are not clusters we are setting up you know more universities than popcorn stands we have more hcc is responsible for that when is hcc going to declare a moratorium on setting up universities no university is a cluster of skills or sub you know that to expect them to perform research etc is crap i look through 10 universities today their faculty none of them have a faculty of any sorts there are no professors in the entire system we are trying to create professors like mcdonald burgers give them phd send them overseas i mean it's like fast food professors and then we think there's their professors i mean come on i've just received a letter from the hcc saying set up another university guys the fault dear brutus is enough and not in our stars hcc is the fault this place that manufactures fast food universities i want to use a expletive here i want the second thing is industry university collaboration these slogans i'm sick of what do you mean by industry university collaboration first of all you don't want an university you want a building there's no university universities are set of professors a cluster or myself to use your own terminology university is a cluster show me a cluster then i'll believe we have a university there's no cluster secondly industry why should industry come to us i talk to industrialists every day they won't even give us a single penny 
They will not give any university a single penny. Why? Because this, they operate on government subsidies. They're all on the EAC. They make the policy. So why should they give us a subsidy? They make policies. They make policies for themselves. It's self-profiting you know, um, policies. That's all they do, and that's fine. You're absolutely wrong people in wrong places. Absolutely right, 100% correct. But we fragmented policy, we fragmented universities, and we talk about clustering, God knows what, and we talk about industry collaboration, industry university collaboration. None of this is going to happen because our DNA, our entire physical infrastructure, the way we organize ourselves is all wrong. We have no respect for academics. We treat them like machines that they will somehow perform. How can they perform? They don't even have a place to perform. There is not a single cluster anywhere that I've seen in Pakistan that is capable of talking. I mean, in fact, for example, think about it this way. This webinar today, for example, <clears throat> is a webinar in public policy. I guarantee you, Marsab, right now, if correct me, please yell if I'm wrong. There is not a single state bank guy here, even though you say state bank is interested. There is not a single SMEDA guy here. Folks, yell if I'm wrong. Raise your hand, say something, put it in the chat box. There's not a single donor here. Where do these guys learn? There's a huge amount of problem here. I'm sorry. Oversup, thank you very much. Wonderful webinar. I learned a lot. I do these things because I want to learn, not because of anything else. But I feel very despondent when I see that nobody wants to learn in this country. We all think it's a quick fix. There's no such thing as a quick fix. There's no quick fix university. There's no quick fix anything. Thank you, folks. Thank you, Omar. Omar, thank you very much. It's been a wonderful webinar. You've done a lot of work. We must talk offline how we can help you extend this work, how we can publish it, how we can advance it further. You've got a lot of material there. We shall, inshallah, do something with it. All the best, folks. Thank you. Bye-bye.